1: Hi everyone, it's Lee Salisbury here with another edition of the TV behind-the-scenes podcast Soap from the Box. There are now over 55 episodes for you to download And listen to perfect for those rainy days when you want to cuddle up and get cozy on the sofa. Now, in July of this year, there was a momentous occasion as one of our soaps came to an end. Yes, Neighbours had its finale in July. I was lucky enough to direct two scenes with two former stars, Natalie Imbruglia and Holly Valance, in London, and they were in the final episode, which was incredible. The drama started in 1985, it came to the UK in 1986. It's been huge in the UK Scott and Charlene's wedding, Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue of course, got 19.6 million viewers in the UK. I spoke to Stephen Dennis before it was announced the soap was going to be axed. So, we go behind the scenes of the Australian soap that we took to our hearts. Enjoy. Neighbours.
0: Everybody needs good Neighbours. Just
1: a friendly wave each morning helps to make a better day. He has been part of my life since I was seven years old, longer than almost all of my friends. I remember being blown away by the Australian soap neighbours when it started in the UK, so much so that I joined thousands of kids late back from lunch break so we could watch the lunchtime showdowns of Ramsey Street. Luckily, The BBC gave us a tea time edition, so we all stayed educated at the same time. His character is cold hearted and ruthless, not like Shane Ramsey and Des Clark, who he originally auditioned for. Six marriages, countless affairs and a 6,000th episode based all around him for the much talked about Who Push Paul. It's a pleasure to welcome bona fide soap legend, a.k.a. Paul Robinson himself, Stefan Dennis. Hello, Stefan. Good idea. how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? yeah great over here i mean what a what a kind of intro because it's amazing you you've been you're you are the original cast member left you're in the first ever episode of neighbors i mean did you i mean some of the soaps over here have now been over like sixty years did you ever expect to be still in neighbors you know, the, this many years later
0: uh no and no because no firstly because I I didn't ever think that the uh, I, I was one of the cynics and didn't ever think the show was going to last that long. In right. fact, the, my, my words to my agent when I uh, when the, I was up for the part was and, and I uh, I got the part. Um uh I said oh, all right, look, I'll do 3 months because I was waiting to see to, uh, uh, to see if I got this feature film. Right. Ironically, the film film turned out to be a box office flop, but anyway, <laughs> um and it, but, so I was waiting for that and I thought, all right, look, I'll just do Three months on this neighbor's thing to keep them happy, and she said, "No, no, no, you can't. You, they they want at least six months." And I went, "Oh, all right. Look, I'll uh, I'll I'll do six months. It probably won't even last that long anyway." And I was I was so near to the truth because it actually only lasted seven months. Yes, um, I think yeah, that's sort of fair. first, didn't they? Yeah, Yeah, seven months on Channel Seven. It was the 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 Seven Seven. Um, so yeah, and but but. In answer, the other part of the question and the answer to that is no. I I honestly did not think, even when it did take off and became the phenomenon it became in the eighties, there was no way that I thought. One, I would still be on the show, even though I had a hiatus of 12 years. Yeah. i kind of still, I've always been associated as part of the show. So well, I, I didn't think I would be associated for this long. And I honestly didn't think that uh, any Australian soap drama would, uh, or drama soap would last this long anyway. We we now go under the uh, heading of the longest running non-news or current affairs show in in Australia.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, for me, it's still... It's still incredible, like over here, like Corey's now what on about the sixty second year. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. They they're 60. all still at the top of their game in a way. It's, it's, it's. I think it must be. I can only put it down to. I think people. It's like, like it's like another world to them. They escape to, don't they? It's like they actually are kind of friends with these people, and they're in their lounge every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It must be. So as you said, it was massive in the 80s. What we're going to do is I spent half the half the podcast talking about the show and half the podcast then talking about the real you. But I mean, as you kicked on them, we'll just quickly talk about I mean, in the 80s when it was huge. I mean, we've just recently celebrated in the UK the 32nd anniversary of Scott and Charlene's wedding, which over here got 19.6 million (laughs) viewers watching that which, I mean, just shows the magnitude of Neighbours back then. I mean, you came over for the Variety show, didn't you, at that time? I remember you all. Do, do you remember being totally and utterly blown away by by how much it had taken off in the UK?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, by, by that stage, we sort of... Because that was 1988, towards the end yeah. of 1988, that we did that. And, um, I mean, just for... I don't think it had ever been done before, an entire cast of a show, an Australian show, invited to anywhere, let alone to the, you know, to perform in front of the royal family in the London Palladium. Um, So, you know, that in itself was a big enough deal. But but we had, I've got to say, by that stage, we had sort of got a a, a small grasp on how how great the phenomenon was by that stage. But it was but it was still we we were still you know I say we were lambs to the slaughter um going over to Britain each time because it you've got to realize in Australia even now but certainly back then there was nothing like the uh the system that you have the star system and the and the the the, the uh, marriage or or divorce sometimes with the press yes. that, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, very that celebrity so now. Yeah, so, we, you know, we we never had that. We never had a paparazzi. We never had, uh, you know, a tabloid journalists who were asked after the, the super juicy gossip. I think at at, the, at that stage, we just lost our only tabloid newspaper, which used to oh, be called wow. The Truth, and it had gone out of circulation because I think it just, you know, people started realising that it certainly was you know, so far from The Truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so so when we went over to Britain, of course, you know, we were never given a manual. We were never given any instructions. We were, we were not told how to uh, conduct ourselves as celebrities in this foreign country, even though it wasn't that foreign to us. Um, and so, yeah, we, we literally were, you know, we, we got thrown under the bus a lot of the time because uh, we, we just didn't. And, and, you know, and unlike, as I said, like in America, you have uh, publicists and managers yeah, and lawyers, yeah, and, yeah, you know, no. an entourage following around. Well, you know, that didn't exist to us. We were just too bit actors from melbourne for goodness sakes you know we didn't we didn't we're publicists? what the hell's that <laughs> um but it's uh but you know we, we we learned the ropes pretty quickly but uh in saying that you know as i say a few of us got thrown under the bus now and then
1: and yeah i mean i said then as well you auditioned for shane and des i mean was that was that something that just didn't go right did they, Did they kind of see something in you that they read because they wrote paul for you didn't they
0: Uh, Yes and no, Um, because the the Paul that I originally um, uh, was cast for was completely and utterly different character to the Paul that was even, you know, four years on or two years on. Um, because originally Paul was just supposed to be the nice kid next door, a university student, studying engineering, following in his father's footsteps because Jim was a very successful engineer and had a business, et cetera. And, you know, Paul was just this sort of happy-go-lucky young guy, uh, Australian typical, atypical a, a Australian uh, suburban dude uh, of that age and sort of consequently fitted into that uh, age bracket within the the, the cast. Um, and then I, I don't quite remember what happened. It was after we got axed from Channel 7 and then when Channel 10 took it up and Reg Watson, who was the creator of Neighbours, um, a lovely bloke, and I, I remember him calling me into his office one time and I thought, oh, God, this is a bit serious. What's going on here? <laughs> and he uh, called me and he said, Steph, I want you to d- just sit down with me for a moment. I, w- I've i had an idea and I really want to re Invent Paul Robinson, and I'd really like your input. I'd really like the two of us to sort of nut out where where we should sort of send Paul. So I, I think for about three hours, Reg and I sat down and literally nutted out uh, the journey that Paul could take to to get to where he is today. Oh, um, right. And I don't think I don't think even then, Reg uh, probably envisaged Paul becoming as um, legendary for all for all the wrong yeah. reasons um, as what he has. You know, he's he is the uh, I'm not going to say that he's the patriarch of the show by any means. He's not he does not deserve it of that role, but um, but he's you know, certainly a part of the glue that holds the show together. Oh, yeah, the and I, I, I,
1: together. yeah,
0: and I, I kind of don't know if if uh, Reg and or uh, Reg Grundy, um, you know, the owner of Grundy's at the time who owned uh, you know, create uh, built what do you say produced neighbors. Um, they I don't think either of them uh, probably were, were aware of how um, colourful, let's call it, uh, the character of Paul would
1: become. Yeah, I think you never know in soap as well. Sometimes I think, uh, sometimes, I mean, working in soap, sometimes we brought in families that, you know, the expectations were huge for them. You know, they're going to be the biggest family in the world, and they're not. And you know, they're mm. a quiet mm. family who come in quite quietly, end up being this huge because the Robinsons were obviously. I mean, Scott Robinson was Jason part of it. Then Kylie, Kylie yeah. got mixed in. It just all worked, didn't it? I mean, I'm have to mm. mention as well. Well, you said actually he was a quiet character. I've read. That is apparently his previous job before the action starting the show originally was he was an air steward, which you can't imagine Paul Robinson being an air steward, can you? Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that that came that, that was the um, much to uh, Jim's chagrin. That was uh, that was uh, what Paul, what Jim thought was going to be the the beginning of the downfall of Paul was he he had actually quit university, quit his uh, his engineering degree to uh, to join the airline as an air <laughs> steward, and uh, you know Jim was like, yeah, what? But, of course, it, it, in, a, in an indirect way, that was sort of the thing that uh, another catalyst that set Paul off on the journey that he is in today. No, I mean, yeah. you've got to remember that his daughter Amy was a, a product of those years in the airline. Um, his second wife Gail was a, a product of uh, his years in the airline. Um, his contacts around the world, you know, it's, well, it's, it all, it's yeah. even though it was only, yeah, even though it was only for a short time, um it was it, it was actually quite significant to where Paul is today
1: to where he is today now obviously I have to mention the legendary and I used to, I just remember her like a, almost like my own nan Anne Haddy, who played Helen Daniels
0: who yeah but sure.
1: Paul. I mean he's still that was kind of the one character you always saw a softer side to wasn't it Paul always kind of had this amazing relationship with her. I mean what was it like working with a actress of that kind of stature because she was amazing
0: well, because I, I you know, m- much to my uh, embarrassment, I didn't know who Anne was, or I didn't, I didn't know, you know, the, the caliber of actress she was until I started working with her, and because uh, I was pretty green, you know, I was I've like, got to be honest with you, I'm still a mushroom today, you know. I, I, I yeah, get, yeah, yeah, I get left yeah. Left out of so many <laughs> things, and you know, I'm always the last to find out things, particularly in that building that I work in. <laughs> um, and uh, but Anne, Anne was absolutely, you know, she she was. The thing that was so great about Anne is she wasn't she wasn't afraid to take the young ones under her wing. Yes. even though even though the younger generation used to piss her off at times, um, she was actually she was quite cool. She was, uh, yeah, let's call her the groovy granny. You know, she she had a very good and clear understanding of the younger generation, probably because of the fact that she'd been you know working in the world of, of showbiz for so long. Um, and you, you probably know only too well, you know, the, the generations uh, cross over each other all the time in show business because exactly. it's, it's just such an intimate. Uh, medium to work with and uh, and so Anne yeah and I, and Anne taught me an awful lot but the the, the wonderful thing the relationship that we developed on screen again you know Anne and I sort of worked at that at times I always remember she used to love it when when uh, whenever there was a moment and uh, Paul and Graham used to always put their foreheads together and touch noses. <laughs> yeah. She used to love that, and she'd always go, "Oh, let's do that at the end of this scene because it's, it's nice." And it used to, and the audience used to really like it as well because it was it was a genuine moment between yeah. the, the yeah. grandmother, who who was really sort of Paul's mother, even though he was he was alive, he was ten years old or something when uh, when his mother died. Um, he he kind of Graham was Graham was the matriarch of both the show and and the Robinson family. Um but she uh, yeah no, she did she taught me an awful lot and so did Alan, you know, to this day. Uh, I think Alan still teaches me
1: things. Uh,
0: yeah, Alan and I have remained friends for oh, a uh, great, since Yeah. I would say know, It
1: was 24 he popped up in, wasn't it? And I was like, my God. Yeah,
0: I, I that said. was a funny situation. You know, it was really funny because Alan and I he'd been living over in the States for a while and I uh, and I I'd been back and forth. I was I was living in London and I can't remember, but I was in I was I must have been away or something, and I was back in London or anything. And he rang me up out of the blue, and he said, "Oh, um, hey, mate, where are you? Where where are you at the moment?" I said, "Oh, um, I'm just down in London. I must have been where, must have been when I was living in Scotland or something." Yeah. And he said, and I said, "Yeah, I'm just down in, in London. Uh, I've got to do some stuff." And he said, "Oh, I'm in London too." And I went, "Get out of here! you're, you're no, you're an American." He said, "No, no, no, I'm in London." A BMW commercial over in France, and I'm I'm in London for the weekend. And I said, "Oh, where we'll catch up. Where are you?" And he said, "Oh, I'm staying in uh, on Piccadilly somewhere." I said, "Get out of here! I'm walking down Piccadilly now." Oh wow! And, uh, so so we uh, we we sort of hooked up in a matter of minutes, and I I never forget. We were walking down as we do, you know. He'd say, you know, how's it going? What are you doing? Well, how's neighbours? What's happening? Are you doing any other stuff?" And I'd say the same thing. You know, what's the latest? thing you're working on that and he said oh i've been doing this and i've been doing that and i've been doing this and uh on oh, i played the vice president on 24 for <laughs> about six months and i dropped to my knees in the center of piccadilly and went i am not worthy i am
1: not <laughs> worthy and he said get up step get up get off the ground. <laughs> i know i think everyone i think because everyone's got such an affinity with uh you guys, especially of that era. I mean, every, I mean, it was it was kind of front-page news that he was in 24. It's amazing. Yeah, it yeah. Wonderful.
0: Well, and, of course, not just because of Alan. I mean, because he didn't come into it until a little bit later. But Gail and I, when 21st four, 24 first started, we were um, living in London and, and we were addicted to it. We oh, we yeah. absolutely addicted show, to the first went, series. Yeah.
1: One of those shows that set the boundaries for shows, wasn't it? Right. What I'm going to do is yeah. a quick – I'm um, calling it the Potted History of Pool, actually. It's a quick quiz to get us through. I mean, the storylines – I mean, I, I would need days to go through them all. So i picked on a few. Oh, things. my God. You're going to embarrass me here, aren't you? No, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> not. I mean, you should know. The answer to this one is really easy, I think. And this leads me, oh, to okay. me. who is Paul's youngest sister? Lucy. Lucy, of course. And I brought this up with actually uh, Lynn McGranger, who's in um, Home and Away. She plays Irene. Because what I've always loved about Australian soaps is it doesn't seem hard for them. They just do it without, they just replace people quite easily, don't they? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, there were three Lucys, two three Scots. Lucy. yeah. And uh, and so yeah, three
0: Lucys, Sorry, two Scots, two Julies. There's only been one of me. That uh, been- maybe that's yeah. why. Maybe that's why I've, I've, I've gained legendary status because there's only one. Uh, believe it or not, there was a, there was and there was only ever one grand. But uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, there were two gyms. Oh, there um, two gyms. Yeah, there was there was a, a chap called an actor called Robin, and I I'm, can't remember his last name. That's terrible. But then was thirty seven years ago. Um, he uh, and he he was cast as Jim, and I don't know what. I think there was a breakdown in negotiations or something a, a week into filming, and uh, he was given the flick, and they brought uh, brought Alan in. And Alan was actually filming in uh, in Sydney at the time. He was doing a, a program called Chances, so he'd do he'd sort of film during the day in uh, in Sydney, fly down here overnight, wow. work uh, work in Melbourne the next day or the, for a couple of days, then fly back to Sydney, do a bit. Oh, yeah, it's funny. anyway.
1: Well, I, I think, don't think the same thing. I mean, the same thing doesn't have happen. what happens here more often. There was a thing in Coronation where an actress walked upstairs, I think, to play in a room. And about uh, two years later, she came back down, but she had grown up about nine years. They skipped the child. That was a good way. I loved it. I loved it. You can get away with it in soap, can't you? You
0: It wasn't famous in, in, um, no, I was going to say in one of the big soaps in, I don't know if it was Dallas. Well, no, Dallas, there was eight years of it, it was a dream. But there was one of the American soaps, I'm pretty sure, and somebody walked into a cupboard. And they were because they'd been given the flick and then they obviously reinstated them so many, many years later
1: and they literally walked out of the cabin again. <laughs> I don't know what soap that was. And, and I don't unbelievable, know, isn't it? And you said that yeah. about other people, because I think I've been on and I won't say um, who it was or whatever, but an, a, a very high profile actress joined us. Over, and actually, she left after a few days because she couldn't. I don't think she'd ever thought that the pace would be as fast as it is. Because, as you know, as yeah. people, So there is nothing like it. I mean, the, no, it's frantic. the pace is frantic, Especially, and you've had, I mean, we'll talk about your big baby storyline that's on the UK at the moment. That's been, I mean, when you're in a big storyline like that, I mean, it's all consuming, isn't it?
0: yeah yeah and particularly what happens is that one wasn't too bad because i was away on location but i think at the time during that really big storyline the only thing the, the the thing that was good was um i was probably working on three blocks at once as you know you know you sort of you, you don't just work on one block and no, then finish yeah, that yeah. They're, they're overlapping all the time so i was working on about three blocks uh at that time but fortunately they were all co-joined you know it was all running in a in a storyline but then then you get other times for example, where because um, we're just on a production break at the moment and just before we went on the break, um, there were some massive storylines, and we were working on four blocks because we'd, we'd wow. uh, had pickups to do on one of the blocks. So we were working on four blocks. Oh my God! You've never seen so many confused actors
1: in your life. I know. <laughs> Are you someone that makes <laughs> notes on your scripts? You know, like a lot of actors, bit you know, write their journey. You know, I've tried in this scene or whatever. Or do you kind of just live by the moment? I mean, everyone does it in a different no. way.
0: Yeah, I, I pretty much live by the moment. I sort of, I mean, I, you know, I I when we get the scripts, for example, I uh, I go I, I insist that I get all the synopses. Yeah, uh, I must have the synopses of the entire block, and that gives me an overview of what's happening for that block. And that also, what it means is I don't have to read all the scripts. But what I do do is I read all the scripts that I am in. Yes. so that I know. Sometimes, you know, even though you might only be in, in three scenes in that episode, um, but there might be four other scenes which are indirectly uh, your your character is involved with indirectly off screen. So, you know, it's a good idea to know that sort of stuff. But what I do, so I, I go over that when I first get my script, I read the synopses, then I read the episodes that I'm in. Uh, and then I sort of pull out just the scenes that I mean, put those into my folder. And then the uh, I used to be very good. I used to at, on Sunday night I'd read the entire block again of just all the scenes I was in, just to get the gist of it. Wow. But I'm lazier. <laughs> I've got to I've got to admit I'm lazier these days. And now I just I kind of read it the night before and learn it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and when you... Become... Okay, the next question is... Um... Oh, well, actually... I do,
0: sorry, I do, I do make notes, though, but not not uh journey notes.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, everyone I'll does make, make
0: lots of notes. So many actors, yeah. you,
1: you've got the ones who've got, like, colour-coded to heaven, you know, like, and then people mm. who've got it, the, uh, Amanda Donnell and Emmerdale, who was in Hollywood, she used to walk in kind of and just... Re- she used to read her script for the first time on set. I used to be like, oh, my... Oh, God. my God. She used to then perform, like, be able to learn it within minutes. But, you know, everyone... Yeah incredible but we have to well, I, I always go on
0: so I sorry. always remember sorry there was, I was going to say that I always remember two actresses that really stood out as far as journey uh you know logging the journey and making the notes of the journey um was uh Julie who played um sorry Vicky Clark Blanche, she played uh Julie my older sister oh yes, and, yeah and and Margot Robbie who played um what's her face what's the character's name
1: oh, oh one of my favourite—I um, can't remember her character name, but yeah. Oh, well, that well girl. There we go. Yeah. How easily forgotten? Yeah. How easily forgotten? Yeah. <laughs> terrible, isn't it. Maggert, who? Yeah. Maggert. But no, used. On, used to just
0: amaze me with the amount of notes she used to write on on every scene.
1: Yes. Oh, some people love it. I mean, yeah, I've seen people like this. It's amazing to see how different actors work. It is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have to mention, which I'm told we're allowed to mention when this is going out to everyone, that Melissa Bell is actually back as Lucy. Yes. Which must be amazing. That must be a lovely for you when old faces return. I mean, not old. Oh, I love it. I love it because, uh, you know, obviously I,
0: I love uh, Melissa, but also it's really great having uh, Paul's sister. And the fact that, I mean, I, I just find it so ironic that Paul's little sister is now Paul's boss because she's the CEO of Lassiter's Worldwide. Amazing. So it's, just, it's, like, it's such a family thing because, of course, there was Rachel who was uh, Gabby, G- Gabby, I think her name was, a character name, or Gabby or whatever. Anyway, um, and she's running Lassiter's up in Darwin and somebody else has got, yeah, it's it's Bit of a family thing.
1: Lester's but has got, Lester's has got mind of it. So was it, um, yeah. Linda Cowden who came on, who said, back in the day, there was, was it, was it a character called Susan in Lester's that you never saw? There was always someone on the phone. <laughs> back in the day, I can't remember what she said. Oh, it. oh quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Right. And also back, we have to say, Richard Huggett, who played Glenn Donnelly, who I looked up I was like, oh, yes. my God, that's him. Who, I really, yeah. I just realised the BBC, he had a hu- hugely contentious relationship with Lucy. He was the secret son of Jim. Yes. So much so that here, the BBC actually edited out all the scenes. We never saw the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, no, no it's, it's
0: actually great having Richard back because we we literally haven't seen each other for thirty years. I, wow. I could um, shortly after he left, I left the show as well, and I moved over to the UK, and he went back up to Sydney or wherever it was, and so we kind of you know lost contact altogether, and. Um, because I used to hang out. Because the funny thing about it was, for a short a short space of time, time he was going out with uh, Gillian Blakeney, and I was going out with Gail Blakeney.
1: Oh wow! So, okay. Uh,
0: yeah, so we we had that connection as well, and um, and we uh, but but no, and we I was amazed at how instantly we clicked again when he came back after thirty years.
1: It's it's been brilliant. After 30 years. Wow. Um, and talking about them, actually, I was going to say, which they give you a clue to who who the, the answer to this is. After divorce, divorcing Gail, who did Paul lease the house to? You've actually just mentioned the actresses. It was um, the twins. Oh, is there anyone yeah. <laughs> I just remember living there with them. I don't remember leasing it <laughs> Yeah, anyway, yeah. No, I remember <laughs> living there with them. And I mean f- first of all, I have to say Gail Fiona Clark was my favourite partner you've been with, um, even though I love Therese Therese as well. Is there I mean Paul's had his fair share of women, as we know. Uh is it is there some some of the actors, and I'm not saying it's the actors' fault or the actors, you know, the credit, but is there some characters that you can just get this instant bond with? Do you know what I mean, is is there some partnerships you just think, oh, this is good?
0: Yeah, I think that happened with Nat Bass. That happened with Nat Bass and Pippa. Um, you know, I speak very, very fondly of the uh, two or three years or whatever it was when I first came back, and I was working, and we we had that triangle. It wasn't a love yeah. triangle, obviously. Yeah. It was the um, played L, the daughter. Um, but it, it was we just had such fun with those scripts and the scenes. It, we just adored working with each other, and yeah, and I think I I got that click fairly instant. We were instantly with Nat, which is why we we well I thought we worked uh, together well. Anyway, yeah, no. maybe we didn't. No, did.
1: <laughs> and I, I, th- and I think you I got did. that. And the twins Sorry. were huge over here. They they had chart success, uh, which makes me bring up your chart success over here with a song that was still be. If you ever say Steph and Dennis, everyone can come out with the first, with the court. Danny it feel and everyone can sing it. Yeah. Um, was it? Uh, a, was it? A, it must have been a fun thing to do because obviously you like music from a young age. So bringing it over, oh, was it a kind of it was at that time, I suppose, that every, were you asked it because every, I mean, obviously Kylie and Jason were huge at the time. It was it kind of a oh yeah, well, I may as well give it a go. Do you want me to be absolutely honest, or do you want me to talk like a show business? Person no, be honest, talking- be, honest, <laughs> be honest, be honest,
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm be honest. No, I'm going to be honest. It was exactly what you said. Um, I was actually doing a voiceover in uh, in town in Melbourne and um, uh, Russell. McKenna, who I knew, who was the engineer doing the voiceover, you know, the producer doing the voiceover at the time with me. And we were chatting after I'd done the gig and he said, uh, and obviously Kylie and Jason had done their records. And I can't remember if Craig had done his at that stage um, and somebody else had done one and uh, so, you know, everybody was sort of jumping on the bandwagon and somebody and, and Russell turned around and he said, do you want to make a record? <laughs> and I went, I went, oh yeah, why not? Yeah. And, and I thought, is it that easy? <laughs> I always thought sort of, it was really hard to make records. And he said, he said, leave it with me. And sure enough, within a week, we're in the studio, they've written a song, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, I'll be absolutely honest with you, to this day, I do not like the song. I've never liked the song, and I still don't like it today. It's a very <laughs> catchy, good song that everybody else likes, and I don't. Isn't that weird? You, tight, you, holding you tight. Don't you feel at this moment lost through the night? Um, I, my second single was actually—I I much preferred that song—but unfortunately, it got buried in a, a stupid political fight, and uh, and it never. I think it, I think it bombed out at about number thirty something or other. I can't that's remember whatever shame. it was anyway. But yeah. it was a shame. I remember it was a mad time. I, it
1: I mean, the twins were two That I think they were probably they might have been the last to really, You know, but the last of that bandwagon. Actually, I think in the UK went okay. Now, now that's, now Yeah, everyone's That's
0: enough. It. Yeah, that's,
1: But what an amazing... Then, of course, you know, Nat, and then Nat Imbruglia, uh you know, set the record straight again, didn't she? She did, yeah. Nat Natalie Imbruglia mm-hmm. with a video tour. Yeah, amazing. And then Holly Valance, actually. Yeah, she had a good... Yeah, she did well. She did Her, her, her song was really good. Her, her song was really good. Yeah, I think people were still, and obviously, as we know, Kyle, I mean, we, uh, we actually, we're going to go to um, just not Kylie, but somebody else later. But the, the next question is, and this, I don't even know if I'm right, because I was trying to flick through and make sure I got the right answer. How many children does Paul have? Ah, uh, did you do the seven? So yeah, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Ah, see, I've got six. So I've got Amy, Ellie, Cameron, Robert, Andrew, Leo. Am I missing one? Amy the... and David. And David, did you say oh, David? David, yes. Yeah. So David.
0: He's, got, he's got triplets and twins. So there's five there, and then he's got Andrew and Amy. And to God, wow. I mean,
1: that's it's amazing you've kept up with them. That's brilliant. well, he's actually he's actually only got he's he's only got six uh living children now. Because Cameron uh, died. Of course, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so my, so, and most of them have all come back, haven't they? In the time ta- ta- I mean, it's a way that uh, I mean, I'm sure it's great for neighbors because they can constantly bring actors back to play these forgotten children as well. Yeah, yeah. And and the beauty about the character of Paul is
0: yeah, you know, a child can pop up anytime, anywhere. Well, when I say child, they're all they're grown-up children now, obviously. But, you know, because, because of the days when, one, he was on the run over in South America and got up to all sorts of mischief over there, I still think, that to this day, I still think that Paul was tied up with a, a Colombian drug cartel. <laughs> um, how, how is it that he went away and he had a bit of money and he came back and he was stonkingly rich with a lot of underground contact? You know, it's it's it, and I be, and I actually ran that past the producers one time, and I said, I think I think what's had that the, the we, we could do a storyline about how Paul made his money, um, and then because he be, it became good after the the brain surgery and all of that, we could say he got guilty and he got a, a, a guilt complex about how he, he had this money and and it was blood money, and so he gives it all to charity, and they said great idea but we
1: don't want the drug association <laughs> right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. in the, so but it was in, just... in the end paul left to go to brazil didn't he when you first left um and you did come uh, up- Will he I, th- I think he went to Hawaii
0: first oh wow he managed a ho- yeah he managed a hotel in Hawaii. i don't know if it was one of the last of his hotel uh, managed a hotel in Hawaii and then came back and that's when i came back for the 2000th anniversary t- yeah 2000th anniversary of the show um 2000 episode um and also Anne had his birthday and all that so i came back for a guestie for two weeks and that was when the embezzlement story uh happened with where he framed his brother-in-law philip Um, And then when he was about to uh, be arrested and and go to jail, he sort of organised a flee out of the country, organised Chrissy and and, um, Andrew to meet him up in wherever it was, and he fled the country. He got the heck out of there um, and was on the run in Brazil. And then, of course, it all went horribly wrong with Chrissy and Paul, and she left, and she, for some strange reason, must have ended up in Scotland because Andrew ended up with a very Scottish accent. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then uh, yeah, so when he by the time he came back, um, he had to the only way he could actually enter Australia and and live in Australia again was to actually give himself up. So unbeknownst to a lot of people because it was obviously off screen, he served a he served three years of a five-year prison sentence. Um, and I think that was over in Western Australia for some reason that's in my head. I don't know why. Um, and that was, that enabled him to sort of re-enter society eh, within Australia and sort of start off again and, you know, in Paul's inimitable way, he did it very, very quickly and
1: yeah, built it an empire. Yeah. It so, it, so vividly. But I mean, when you first decided to leave, was it a hard decision to leave? Cause obviously you were leaving behind this huge show. Is it just become yeah. in your head that it was time to kind of spread your wings a bit? It's, it's a funny old thing because, you
0: know, soaps are, they're a bit of a magnet and, and the, the, you know, the wonderful financial and job security that you yeah. get uh, a, a principal character in a soap. It's, it's very hard, you, you know, in the, in the world of show business, that's a godsend and it's really hard to give that up. But yeah. for strange reason, our brains aren't wired that way. Actors' brains are wired to what job can I do next? What, what there must be another job out there I can do, and so that you know, so I did. And yes, it was on one hand, it was very, very difficult to make the decision to leave. But I, I think I was still probably young enough uh, and probably stupid enough to um, to go. You know what? No, I'm going to. I am going to give this up, and I'm going to go and spread my wings and see if there's any other uh, any other seeds out there to sow. And, I, I am mean, fortunately, on the back of Neighbours, I
1: have to say, on the back of Neighbours,
0: I had a very, very successful career in the 12 years that I was uh, I was ex-Neighbours.
1: Oh, you did, which we will get to, which we will get to. Mm. Uh, but with sticking to Neighbours, for the time being, we're going to go. But um, what did Paul do on returning in 2004? What was the big story? Do you remember? Oh, he set the place on fire. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know the other thing that happened there? No, go now, on. Oh, is this? Where and you I don't, killed, You killed someone as well. You killed Gus. Yeah,
0: you. murdered Gus. Gus yeah, Clearer. Which you came did. back, and that came back to bite him on the ass royally some years later. But it was, um, yeah. He's he's the only character I think, certainly in Australian soap, that's gotten away Wait, with murder. Yes, clear
1: with with Grand Arson and and Murder One. I wonder whether that's why, because you then had, he, Paul then got his leg amputated, didn't he? Because he was blown up by a bomb. Is that yep. because he was blown up by a bomb on a plane? I mean, when you say soap storylines, I love it, because it sounds like absolutely ridiculous, doesn't it?
0: No, I I think I was already legless at that stage. You were already legless. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, isn't it funny? Because everybody calls me a, a legend, and I said, no, it's a leg end. <laughs> Boom, uh, anyway, yeah. um, it's not. Yes, yeah, so I'm pretty sure around the time of the plane crash, I was already because it always amazed me that Paul was able to swim to safety uh, in the middle of the Bass Strait in the middle of the night in the freezing cold, uh, yeah. the, where the plane crashed. Um, and and I think spent. Well, they were I, I, originally. They weren't even going to put Paul in hospital. You know, I sort of just miraculously walked away from the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and I went, no, "Hey, come on, you can't do that." So uh, I think he spent one night in hospital or something. But uh, no, Paul. Paul actually, the the loss of the leg was actually complications of another thing. What happened was um, the the mafia literally was after uh, after Paul. He he had a you know he was a target, um, and they'd sent the the, the boys out to uh, literally to take Paul out to the bush and execute him. And uh, you know, in a, in a moment of uh, a panic, he managed to escape and and run through the bush, and. Running with the guys chasing very very closely behind, and he he comes and he's, he's about to run over this cliff, this eighty foot drop, and uh, and manages to stop himself just in time. And I th- I think what happened was then sort of the guys caught up and he Paul lost his footing or something like that and fell over this cliff, <laughs> and the guys sort of looked over and just saw this crumpled still body uh, at the bottom of the cliff and but sort that's <laughs> yeah, he, he's dead, job done, and off they went. And so and anyway, Paul then came to, managed to struggle through the bush, nearly got drowned in the lake, because <laughs> uh, his leg was so, so incredibly badly broken, as well as lots of other things, broken ribs and all of that. Um, and it was Dylan who managed to you know, see him out in the distance floating and holding onto a log, um, brought him to safety. And, and so he ended up in hospital and he was all being patched up and everything was okay. And the doctors said, uh, you know, you're going to be okay. The leg's very badly broken. You've just got to stay off it um, because there's a lot of compound fractures, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then in a moment of of i, I would imagine drug induced uh, um, lunacy what's the word i'm trying to think? you know uh, yeah, a, no, a, yeah, moment, yeah. A, a lapse of reason um he he got out of bed to go to the office he's got <laughs> oh i've got to get to work now and got out and put all his weight all his bodily weight on the leg and it just shattered and so they couldn't oh. fix it again and the, and gangrene started setting in and they said right You've got two choices: you die, or we chop your leg off. Wow. And he was insistent, absolutely insistent, that he kept his leg. Um, he said, uh, uh, "He said no, I'd rather die." And uh, and it was Dylan who actually signed the papers while Paul was unconscious. He signed the papers to uh, lose the leg.
1: So I mean, no, uh, not only are these stories amazing, but also they brought back some amazing characters recently as well for you, which must be amazing. We've obviously had Gail's been back, Annie Jones is now back with Lucinda and Jeff yeah. been on the show. I mean, that again must be. Incredible because Annie again is part of the, you know, the, one of the biggest storylines ever where, you know, plain Jane was revealed to be gorgeous by taking off her glasses. I mean, nothing got ever yeah. storyline. <laughs> um, but it must be lovely again because it's I suppose I was talking to one of my best friends is in Emmerdale, and she was kind of, she's been in it for years now, and she's only she's kind of late that like kind of late forties, and she's become like the older one, <laughs> one of the older ones in the soap, which I suppose yeah, you guys yeah. are now the older generation yourselves, aren't you?
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are now the the Jims and the yeah. Maxes and the the Marías and all of that. Yeah, we're we that those people now. Um, not quite the
1: Grands yet, but not no. far away. <laughs> and is it nice? Is it, it? must be nice for you to be surrounded by the people that kind of you grew up with. It on you know because you all went through a, such a kind of you know neighbors is still neighbors, but that that time in the eighties, like we said, is such a, a you know amazing period. It must be nice. Oh, it was a
0: golden of, era. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, and, and Jason, our executive producer, Jason Herbison, is well aware of that. I mean, Jason was involved in Neighbours way back then, anyway, as, as he was on the writing team. Oh and right. he's, he's, Yeah, and he's very, very passionate about the show, um, and it's it, it's it's his you know his brainchild a lot of the time to bring back past characters because he realizes just how popular. Because he was part of the writing team, he he acknowledges how popular the past characters are um so yeah he he loves bringing back characters from the past and we do too
1: and also obviously you now got a granddaughter harlow who i've yeah working no, with um and it's Gemma, it's Gemma donovan jason's real life daughter and again it's a full circle isn't it, it must be amazing do you kind of have <laughs> it it must be amazing if you, it's weird isn't it is it weird when she got the part was it kind of like wow
0: um Yeah, yeah. Well, I I kind of knew she was coming on anyway. Um, And Jason actually told me I was was talking to Jason, and he said, "You know, my daughter's coming on the show." And I'm like, "Get that? Fuck! You serious?" (laughs) And um, anyway, he. uh, But yeah, it's really it's weird because it's like my mate who plays my younger brother. Brother. Well, his his daughter is going to be my granddaughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What soap does to us—it's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, oh, right, no. okay. Well, I, I got to say, I got to say, I was a
0: little bit miffed when they gave me a, a 18-year-old and a 19-year-old granddaughter. I didn't mind Amy when she came in and she was three, but you
1: know, hey, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I mean, no one, but no one pays attention to age today. they? anything, as we've said, anything can happen on soap. No one minds. Oh, that was no, absolutely amazing. <laughs> So it's got it so much. But leaving so all right, let's talk about you. I've read the your interest in acting started when you were 12 and you appeared your first big performance or your first theatre show was Oliver. Is, is that right? Oh, uh, yeah. Roundabout. Roundabout way. Um, were you I, Oliver? I guarantee were you the artful Dodger or were you Oliver? No, I was, I was, I was just
0: one of the one of Fagin's boys. No, I ah, wasn't that, okay. uh, wasn't that uh, good. And um, no, no, no. What what happened was, I, and it was actually earlier than that. I mean, I, I we were indirectly involved in show business oh, probably as early as eight. But um, I, my mother, bless her, said to my brother and I uh, when I was eleven, she said, "Look, you know, I, I, would you be interested in doing uh, to, going to an amateur theatre company, amateur theatre group?" And because uh, she said, "I know of this really good one that's uh, caters for kids and yada yada yada." And to which we went, yeah, that'd be great. And there was no pressure. The great thing about mum was she never, ever pressured us. She never, she never pushed us into anything or was a stage mum or anything. She was just, she was very encouraging and very supportive of anything we wanted. I mean, my brother and I, we toured, uh, we were a, a singing duo um for oh, a number of years i you know,
1: read that yeah well, it's amazing dude I re- yeah. it says on the internet you did weddings charities and some large concerts
0: <laughs> yes we did yeah we used to do uh used to do uh oh, what was it not even tied oh it was a big concert up in brisbane they used to oh, have wow, every year. Okay. we did that and we did a uh, we did a we were invited up to sing at a wedding. We were going to sing Ave Maria at a wedding uh, on Lindeman Island. I think it was up in the Great Barrier Reef. And uh, and while we were there, the Coral Festival, which unfortunately no longer takes place, it used to be a festival that um, involved all the islands in the Whit Sundays on the ba- Great Barrier Reef every year, and called the Coral Festival. And each each day, uh, the festivities were held on a different island. And we, so because we were up there for the wedding, we were invited to sing at uh, various events up there as well well um but we uh yeah we uh, i remember we were called the coasters i know i think we originally we wanted to be called the chipmunks and then we <laughs> found out that there was a band in america called the chipmunks, the chipmunks and then of course yeah. it was the chipmunks and so we changed our name to the coasters because we were coasting we were we were touring from coast to coast man. Oh, very cool yeah, but I, I I think I was at the ripe old age of about twelve then, and um, but anyway, and uh, yeah, so that that was so that happened at the age of eleven, and I, I can't remember when Oliver was, but that was one of the shows we used to put on a couple of shows a year, big shows, and it, it was great fun because we we learned everything. We we did singing, we did dancing, we did acting, we did stagecraft, and my mother was actually involved. She used to do all the scenery oh, uh, yeah. and backdrops and that for the uh, for the shows, and yeah, it was it, it was a really good good thing and um Joyce Forbes who ran the theatre company owned it and ran it um you know I I owe an awful lot to that woman she's not with us anymore today unfortunately but I I always said I owe uh, an awful lot to two people if I ever was standing up and accepting an award and doing the you know the thank you bit I would always thank Joyce Forbes uh, for for teaching me all of that stuff when I was such a, a young uh, fellow, and teaching all the other kids as well, um, and my mum because of the, the you know the way that she used to encourage and and help us and you know do things and support and make our costumes and all of that. But um, and the, the 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 funny thing is, in a little bit of gospel. I met my very first serious girlfriend at um, at that theatre company that uh, that amateur oh, theatre company. And do you know, we are still really great friends to this day.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Debbie Shilder, was, I was 12 years old and she was 12. And uh, yeah, and we hit it off and we... Had a relationship for about three years, which you know, unheard of at that age. Yeah. And then she broke my heart and went with somebody else. And then we got, we actually got back together and had a torrid affair wow. um, many, many years later. And then that sort of that fizzled out. And then we, um, uh, yeah, we just Stay became
1: back. really good friends again. Yeah, and I, I speak to her quite regularly. There's something about, because I used to act all the time and I used to go to younger, and there's something about it, a magical time, but also I'd le- I would thank Leslie, my my drama teacher, because they teach you actually so much at a young age, so much so that I made the decision before I went to university. Actually, I didn't think I I had it in me to cope with being that, you know, as you will know, the pitfalls of being an actor and kind of, you know, yeah. uh, constantly up and down. So I, I thought, right, I'll go behind the scenes. I read that you actually trained as a chef before you left for Sydney because you wanted something as a kind of backup, I suppose, yeah, no, not Sydney. I was up in the Gold Coast, up in, uh, up in Gold Queensland. Coast. Yeah, before you left, yeah. you, came, you came down after, didn't you, after you trained as a chef? Yeah, yeah. No, I,
0: I went from, I did my training in Queensland, um, part of it on the Great Barrier Reef, believe it or not, wow, on Daydream Island.
1: Amazing. Um,
0: oh, that was funny. I, I was. I was in my second year of my apprenticeship, and just in my second year of my apprenticeship. So you can imagine, you know, I wasn't highly skilled. and uh, But I was I was very passionate and very, very, very into cooking then because, you know, I, I'm one of these people that if I'm going to do a job, I'll do it really well. Yeah, it doesn't probably, matter what yeah, it is. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter even if it's not the job that I want to do. I'll still do it really well. And uh, so I used to be, I, I put my heart and soul into the cooking, even though I wanted to be an actor. Um, and I I flew up. I got this job uh, as an apprentice chef, chef on uh, Daydream Island. And I I uh, flew up there and and then they flew me out to the island by helicopter and which I thought was all oh, no, that was very grand and uh, and at the chopper touched down and out I got and I was greeted by one of the uh, the porters uh, and he said, oh can I you going you're uh, you're Stefan aren't you and I went yeah 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 and he said you're the new chef and I went no no, no I'm the apprentice and he went no you're the chef mate oh my god <laughs> I, I had to. I had to hold the fort because the chef had walked out. um wow. uh, You know, a couple of days before, and I had to hold the fort for about three weeks as the head chef of, wow. uh, on on Daydream Island. Yeah. Year as an
1: that must have been. <laughs> yes. it. I suppose there's nothing like being put in the deep end, though. I bet yeah, you, but, but, I, but, bet you, you know, I bet you flew.
0: Well yeah exactly as much as you know it can be frustrating and all of that it, it actually you know that's the that's the times that you actually learn so much
1: yeah yeah um, you yeah, know even if some gonna, of it is is being self taught you're always going to yeah. dive in in the deep end does it mean you can still yeah. cook a mean dinner then stephanie you're still a great chef i can but you know the irony is i hate cooking <laughs> <laughs> I never wanted to be a
0: cook, as I said, you know, because I was a cook or a chef, I was a very good one because I did it very well. And I actually got a very good name as a chef, particularly down here in Melbourne. Um, but the ambition was never to be a chef. It was always to be an actor. And that's why I moved to Melbourne. I moved yeah. to Melbourne because it was either Sydney or Melbourne. And I had uh, I had my aunt and uncle down here. So I thought, well, at least I know people in Melbourne. I'll move down there. And I, I'm more familiar with Melbourne than I am with Sydney. And uh, and I moved down, and uh, yeah, that that was the intention. And and fortunately, uh, you know, the reason I did shipping was because my dad said to me many years and and some years before I did the apprenticeship. Um, he he said, some you know, if you're going to be in show business, you really should get something behind you. That's my strongest advice. It was the yeah. best advice ever, and I do the same advice to my kids. Um, and 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 I said, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to do anything else. And he said, oh, it's just a good idea to get something behind you. And I said, well, what? And he said, well, the two two professions you'll never be out of work is feeding people and burying people.
1: Oh my God! You know, wow, Say so true. Uh,
0: yeah, and I went, all right, I'll go to the former. Uh, mind you, if he'd said it to me a couple of years earlier, I probably would have gone the latter because I was, you know, like every sort of 12, 13 year old kid fascinated by the morbidity of yes, death. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Um, I used to bury all my pets, all my, you know, <laughs> yeah, even if no it was so a did beetle. I.
1: It's true, you are. You are. by the morbid, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, if I'll come, come, call you a couple yeah. of years later, you still could be an undertaker. I'm going to whiz back to Paul Robinson because this message has just come through that I asked her to send. Here's a little surprise message for you. <laughs> long time no see i hope you and your lovely family are all well um and i hope everyone at neighbors as well i miss you all and send lots and lots of love all the way from a very cold uk um take care and i hope to see you again soon so that was Sheree Murphy, who you were in
0: Oh, in UK, like I was just I was thing. trying to get the voice and I I nearly said it was Debbie Arnold, but of course, how fabulous.
1: Yeah, so I worked with her and a good friends with her. She was on Emmerdale. So as soon as I got um this directed job on was, I was like, Oh, you did it in London as well. But um she's great, isn't she? It must be great. It must be uh it must be fun when people come over from the UK as well, I suppose, to be in because they must be so excited. I know she was. Oh yeah, no, we we had great fun because that was around the same time as
0: uh, when Ryan Thomas was in as well.
1: Yes, yeah, he was, yeah. He was a
0: great guy. That, that was that. Oh, that was naughty times in Naughty people, those two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, the Thomas brothers are yeah. Adams in uh, yeah. was in Emmerdale with him. Ryan was in Corrie with me. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, mm. nice stories never to be told. Hey. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. He he he's a great guy. We again, you know. Well that was that was the relationship. Both um Ryan and myself and uh Maddie Wilson who plays um uh Aaron on the show. Yes. We all hit it off instantly. The three of us just hit it off instantly. I don't know why we did. And yeah, and we we got up to some mischief.
1: How was to we had? Going back to you, <laughs> you took roles once you had, uh, you know, once you had cooked some mean dinners. Um, you had taken roles on massive Australian set- shows, including Prisoner. Massive role in the Henderson Kids, the Sullivan's Young Doctors, and Danny Minogue is actually the other guest this week on the fir- on the launch of Series Three, and she was in most of those. Did you ever cross paths with Danny, Kylie's sister? Oh yeah, well, um, Danny used to be on. Um... Uh, Young Talent Time. Yes. Oh, and did you do Which, that as well?
0: Well, no. That was that, that. That was being shot in the same studios. That ah, was uh, they used okay. to be. They used to shoot. Uh, I think they shot on Saturdays uh, in Studio A, and then. And then other programs, she and, and so, yeah, so, yeah, cause we used to have, back then, we used to have studio A and they used to, I'm pretty sure they filmed, uh, in, in the same studio on the Saturday when we weren't using it, um, because prisoner was still being, uh, filmed in studio B, um, on the other side of the building. And then, um, prisoner finished and we got to move over to, uh, to studio B. And then they started using Studio A for Rove and still for Young Talent Time and all of that. And then gradually we just took over the entire building.
1: The entire building. So there's so many yeah. of you floating around the same place. And she actually reveals on the other podcast, everyone, which you have to listen to, that I think Kylie and Jason actually played brother and sister, first of all, in, I'm not sure whether it was in the Henderson Kids, but in something. I we, think it was. Yeah, I think it was in the, in the Henderson Kids. Yeah, which I'm not sure many people. I've got a feeling did. it was. Yeah. Um, and then we have to just... Because
0: get, I, I've got to tell you a little funny thing. On the Henderson Kids, um, the two... Uh, actresses that I worked with in the, in the episode that I was in were Nadine Gardner, who was 12 and Jane Hall. Oh, it was wow. 12. And of course, Jane Hall played my, one of my wives on Neighbors many, many yeah. years later. Oh, it's yeah. such, it's such a so, And that world, was, that it? was her first, that was her very first gig, uh, professional
1: television gig on Henderson Kids. So I worked with her on her first gig and then she became a wife. That's mad. (laughs) Well, actually, in the first series of this podcast, Sue Johnston, who I don't know whether you know, she's been in the Royal Family and she's in Downton, she's in loads of stuff, but she... uh, I know Sue Johnston, yeah. Yeah, she played uh, Sean Bean's girlfriend many years ago when she worked with him and she's recently worked with him again and she was so put out that she was now playing his mother. (laughs) (laughs) How the world world changed. But you have to to talk about your stint in the UK because obviously when you left, you came and lived here. You you did so much again, so many things. You were in Blood Brothers in the West End and on tour. You did quite a bit of UK TV, including the Bill Dream Team and River City, one of the soaps over here. I mean, how was that? How did that compare to working on? Was it a different way of working here, or was it basically the same?
0: Um, I always remember uh, going into our first day on Dream Team. It's so been going for, oh, I can't remember how many it years before Sky, I joined isn't it.
1: The Sky Football thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, Sky yeah. One. And um, and they, uh, and yeah, and we walked in, and I remember the director saying to us, um, the the director said, oh, look, you know, just, just to let you know that we work quite quickly here. <laughs> uh, you're probably used to a drama, you know, an hour of drama taking 11 days to shoot. Uh we, we, I just want to apologise because we condensed that into eight days, and I was just sitting in the corner cacking myself. I go, God, eight days for an hour—luxury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've had that before. So when that, I yeah. left, yeah. So that, that was that was. That was fairly laid back for me, the, the Sky uh, Dream Team. Mm-hmm. And River City, uh, that was you're not as fast as Neighbours, but yeah, it was it still had a pretty fast pace. I actually really enjoyed working on River City, one, because it was Scotland and I've got such an affiliation with Scotland. Oh, yeah.
1: um,
0: and, uh, and two, because, yeah, it was a great show to work on. And I just love the fact that, uh, the, you know, they do it on an absolute shoestring budget, oh, wow, shooting yeah. it out in, the, in these old, I think it was an old, it wasn't an abattoir, but it was something like that, an old, unused, think, massive, massive compound. And they just built these sets in it and you know, used every inch, a bit like what we do with Neighbours on, on the compound at Neighbours. You know, we use every square inch of space and, and you know, make them. it look completely different, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think all of that, I mean, Corrie and Emmerdale and centers have got bigger now, but, yeah, I mean, I went to Fair City, which is the Irish one, and they're just in the car park of the of the, of the, of the yeah. building. It's crazy. Yeah you suddenly got a street. Um, but so you also met your wife over in the UK, didn't you? You've now got two children. Yes. Um, how does that no, actually three, three change things being in the industry? I suppose it's nice now being back on Neighbours where you've got that steady job because I suppose it does change things for actors.
0: Ah, oh, most definitely. And you know, and, and I think that was what enabled um, us to stay here for as long as we did. Because we, we actually didn't come back here to live. When we came back in the end of 2003, um because originally we i i was I, I, um we were coming back to to australia uh earlier than that uh, pretty much when i finished uh, dream team we were packing up to go and i was offered the gig up in scotland to do uh river city for six months, and uh, we, I, I said, "Well, uh, and Gail, look, well, you know, we might as well do it." And so we literally went, went up and lived with Gail's parents for six months. Absolutely. And at that stage, Cameron had only just been born, so he was a little tiny tyke who's uh, about a year old. Um, And, and did River City. And then, and as soon as we finished that, we, we continued the, what we started to do, which was to uh, go back to Australia. But the purpose of going back to Australia was to come back and build a house. We bought a block of land. Uh, I mean, I had my place up in the hills and Gail had had the apartment in London. We sold that. And so we, we came over to, with the intention to build our family home on this, uh, land out in the West excuse me and um and and that was the intention we came back and the the irony there is we ended up not doing that we went down a completely different path real estate wise um and but we yeah that was the intention of coming back and then you know sort of staying for probably maybe up to five years and then going back to the UK well of course you know less than a year later I was offered neighbors and uh and originally it was only supposed to be a two-week gig. It was supposed to be like when I came back for the 2000. Uh, and this was the 20-year anniversary. And, they, and uh, Rick Pellissieri, who was the EP at the time, uh, invited me back and said, you know, would you, would you come and reprise the role of, of Paul for a couple of weeks? And initially, I'll be honest with you, I said no. Um, uh, not to them, but to my agent, I was going, no, 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 because the funny thing about it is even though I had a a very successful career over in the UK for, for nearly 12 years over there, um, a lot of it was stage work and of course, or, or, uh, stuff like River City or Dream Team, which doesn't get shown over here. So I kept thinking in the eyes of the Australian audience, they'd think, oh, he's been over. He's faded into oblivion. He hasn't been able to do any work over there. So he's come back here to do neighbors. So, you know, with his tail between his legs. And I didn't want that. And I said, no, 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 look, you know, to me, that's career suicide. I'm not going to do it. And believe it or not, it was Alan Dale that talked me back into it. Oh, wow. I mean, obviously obviously my wife and my agents sort of pressured me a bit, (laughs) um, but it was Alan. Alan turned around and I was talking to him and he said, uh, and he said, what are you doing, Steph? And I went, oh, I, I just, I don't know. And he said, don't be stupid. He said, Neighbours is a great gig. He said, you'd be mad not to do it. He said, God, you know, actors scream out for that sort of stability. And I went, yeah. And he said, besides, you're only an actor if you're working, aren't you? And I went, yeah, you got a point there.
1: And yeah consequently right. that,
0: that was the that was the straw
1: that broke it yeah and isn't it funny how we always think in this game you're always thinking about what other people think which is what you were rather than just going, yes oh, what i think yeah. you know what I mean? like anyone really yeah I crazy. it's crazy isn't it but anyway end, we're gonna well we're gonna have a quickly pointless facts game that i always end with but i have to mention that not just the acting i love finding out this fact that in 1995 you were part of the team that set a new world record for twenty-four hour endurance outdoor karting, which sounds exhausting. Yeah. I mean, amazing. Do you still hold that record?
0: No, unfortunately, it's been oh. broken now. I, I don't know, but I think we were in the Guinness Book of Records for about three years. We we held wow, it for a while. Brilliant. Because uh, well, because what we did, the reason we held it for so long is because the the first year we did uh, in '95, we did uh, petrol carts uh petrol driven carts and that was at Brooklyn's Raceway just outside London. Um and yeah, it was twenty four hours. There was a, a team of four, we had a like a relay team of four. The the car was not allowed to uh be stationary for I can't remember for how many seconds, but literally for enough for you know one driver to jump out and the other one to yeah. jump back in, settle in and off you go. Um it had to be nonstop. We also had to maintain an average speed of fifty five miles an hour. Wow. Um, which doesn't sound like much, but that's frighteningly fast in a go kart, yeah. and and particularly I'll, I'll get to why why so so uh, with the next bit because that was the petrol carts and we broke the record uh, with petrol carts in '95 uh, and set a new world record there. Um, I can't, I've got a it was it was just over 1,100 miles I think we did in the 24 hours and we do we do one hour each. And it was literally the hardest part was at about two and three and four in the morning when you've got to remember we were doing this, I think, in February or March. Oh. So you can imagine how cold it was at that time of the morning over in Britain. Um, and it was literally, you know, it was almost like having to chip our hands off the steering wheel because they were oh so cold. God. But uh, that was good. So we did that. And then the following year, in 96, we did it again, but this time we did it in electric carts. And what was great about that is we could have done one mile and we still would have uh, set a world record because it had never been done. Anyway, we, we you know we did much the same, and I think we did just over because we had a couple of engine failures in that, and you had X amount of time you were allowed to one complete engine change, uh, and you were allowed mechanical repairs that that were only allowed to take up a like you know ten minutes or something to repair or some stupid thing. Anyway, so we had a, we had some engine failure, we had a um, we had the throttle failure, and the um, and what was interesting about this was it was electric carts, so obviously they were silent. Um, and we were doing the same thing, but this time we weren't at, at Brooklyn's Raceway, we were at Santa Pod uh, Raceway, which is a drag strip up north. And because it was a drag strip, the first, oh, you know, 30, 40 uh, yards Is just rubber. It's a rubber surface. Well, once again, we were doing it in winter, and that rubber surface was just—it was a slip pad. So, at one end, we basically we just had a a loop, and at one end, it was—it was just chaos. The the cart would just spin around everywhere. So, you had to be so careful to try and control it, not to spin out on the corner on that end every time on that hairpin. That
1: would have been it. That would have been the end of the world record if you'd done
0: that. Well, yeah, but but we still had to maintain the speed that was the silly thing we still had to maintain this 50 odd miles now but what happened was the throttle went at about one o'clock in the morning and in the time that they had they couldn't fix this put a new throttle in cable and all of that so they just put what we called a suicide button on in the middle of the (laughs) steering wheel and it was power on or power off that was it oh, full my. power on if you hit the button and, power. Oh. and so we, it was oh it was the most hilarious thing trying to to absolutely calculate the exact moment that you would just slam that button on to get full wow. power
1: so that you didn't go oh. for a 360 on that bend yeah this sounds, but it was sounds, but we did it i mean you've never tried to do it again obviously but i must i mean it must, oh, be, no, we, it must be we thrilling. want to do you no, we
0: want to Well, yeah, because the thing about it was, it's uh, it was myself uh, and Russ organised it. Russ Malkin and his brother Steve, and Russ is the producer of the uh, Long Way Round series with uh, Charlie Borman and uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and and yeah, and Russ and I have been mates for a long time. Uh, We started off with another gig. We did the uh, the can uh, the. Oh, uh, the London Decan uh, car rally that, we, that oh, they used wow. to do each year to raise money for the uh, Royal Marsden. Anyway, and, um, yeah, so we became friends then. So he, we set this up and we had uh, the two of them, me and uh, David Brabham, who's uh, Jack Brabham's son, famous racing driver. And, of course, David's a famous racing driver now. Um, and we've been wanting to do it ever since then. But I said, I keep saying to Russ, I said, we're not going to bloody well do it in, in Britain in the middle of winter again. No, um, so I've been, trying, I've been trying to continue. Joel, to, to come out and use the Phillip Island uh, Grand Prix racetrack down at Phillip Island, um, and which is a gorgeous track uh, uh, facing the ocean, and and do it in not middle of summer because it'd be too hot, but do it in you know maybe spring or autumn.
1: Amazing! So, oh I, we, we'd God. love
0: to do it again. Yeah, yeah we need so to smash gonna, that, that be, record.
1: that would be brilliant. Right, we're going to end, Stefan. I can go on, for hours We're going to end with a quick pointless facts game, which I play with everyone. I'm hoping you know. I was amazed by this first one. Um, but and to, Charlotte Chimes did this and didn't didn't know this, so we taught her this. But do you know what Erinsborough is an anagram of? Neighbours. Yes, of course. You, of course you would know that. She was absolutely <laughs> confused by that. you couldn't believe it. Um, to the nearest thousand, how many... I mean, you won't know the answer, but have a guess. To the nearest thousand, how many cast and crew have worked on the show since it begun? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm.
0: I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I'm going to say three thousand.
1: No, twenty-eight thousand. Oh, stop it! Oh, hang on. Are you talking about extras as well? I think so. I think that means everyone. Ah, yeah. yeah, that means everyone. Yeah. yeah. How many countries? Oh my god! How many countries watch Neighbours? Uh, I don't know what
0: it is now. I know it's in the fifties, but we used to have about sixty-five. Yeah, it's now six,
1: so, which is still incredible, isn't it? Sixty.
0: So it's sixty at the moment, is it? Sixty at the moment,
1: yeah. Oh, brilliant. Because for some reason, I thought it was in, in the high 50s, but there you go. Good. Um, That's Brett, great. This one, I don't know whether you know. Brett Tucker has played how many characters in Naples? I think he holds a record for playing the most characters.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. I
1: only. I only ever remember his, his one character. He's probably come in and done sort of bit yeah, he's parts. He's been part with Daniel what? Fitzgerald. He also played Ned Goodman, and he also played a construction worker and a patron. So he played four parts. He holds the record at like <laughs> the moment. <most laughs> <amount of parts. laughs> and the final <five laughs> one, who was, I didn't know this, who was an extra on the show before taking on a role that's seen him still in the show for over 19 years? You might not know this, you see. This would be quite good. Well, this was that was before I came back. Uh, when it's, um, it's Toady Ryan, it's, it's not, I was just going to say it, it'd be Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. yeah. So he yeah. started life as an extra. Amazing, isn't it? That. Well, listen, Stephen, yeah. it's been so amazing of you being the first guest on the new season. I know everyone in England and the UK is so excited to hear from you, it's, as as I am. Total soap, soap fi- bonafide soap legend, and I can speak to you for hours. So thank Leg you so in. much for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. It's been it's been a joy talking to you, mate. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. And good luck with the rest. And let's hope to see you in the UK again soon, especially if you're going to come back and do set the world record again. That would be amazing.
0: That would be great, yeah.
1: Amazing, Stefan. Thanks so much.
0: No worries, Lee. Thanks. Cheers, mate.
1: The absolutely brilliant Stefan Dennis there, a big part of my life for many years. He played Paul Robinson in Neighbours, which, of course, came to an end recently after, well, nearly 40 years they wrapped up. I'm sure a lot of people will be missing their dose of Australian life. Maybe one day it'll come back. Maybe we can reinvent the wheel. Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. There are over 55 Other episodes of Soap in the Box you can listen to right now with your favourite stars from Neighbours, Home and Away, EastEnders, Coronation Street, Hollyoaks and, of course, Emmerdale. I'll be back very, very soon. This series is looking very exciting and I can't wait to share the rest of it with you. Whatever you're up to, have fun and I'll see you soon.